0: The greatest form of inequality is to make unequal things equal. The words of Aristotle, some 500 years before Christ. The greatest form of inequality is to make two unequal things equal. But that sure doesn't stop us from trying, does it? Our culture and our world is obsessed with equality. People are shouting for everything to be equal. Equal awards, equal pay, equal acceptance. and The list goes on and on so everyone gets the participation award. We demand equal pay for anyone who works, regardless of the work that they do. And we debate on who should pay taxes and how much tax they should pay. And even though there's already a Girl Scouts out there, we mandate that the Boy Scouts must be opening and welcoming and accepting to girls. Everything has to be equal. And you're old and you're outdated if you think that's not the case. And by the way, your opinion is not equal. Sorry, I couldn't help myself from that. I just have one question, though. Is it true that all people are equal? For anyone that says yes, let me phrase this question in a different way. Is my one and a half year old daughter equal to the President of the United States? Regardless of your political bent, your answer has to be no. Though I'm sure she wouldn't mind trying to run this country, She is not equal to the president. She doesn't get to tell the president what to do. For societies to function, differences have to be maintained. But as I said earlier, that doesn't stop us from trying to eliminate them. However, there is a kingdom where all people are truly equal, where no one is more important than others, where no citizens pay taxes. There is no poverty, and each citizen is given the exact same inheritance. Sounds great, doesn't it? Almost too good to be true. Any honest student of history will tell you that, as great as it sounds, it cannot be possible here on this earth, in this world. It can't be sustained. It's been tried and failed again and again and again. Yet the fact remains there is still a kingdom where all are equal, where there is no poverty, where all are fed and all are cared for. And believe it or not, It's here. I invite you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 20 as I read verses 1 through 16. And again, I'll invite you to stand out of respect for God's word. Matthew chapter 20, beginning at verse 1, reading in Jesus' name. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. And when he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and to those he said, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. And so they went. And he went out in about the sixth and the ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. When evening came the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman Call the laborers and pay them their wages beginning with the last group to the first When those hired about the 11th hour came each one received a denarius and when those hired first came they thought that they would receive more but each of them also received a denarius When they received it they grumbled at the landowner saying These last men have worked only 1 hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat Of the day but he answered and said to one of them friend i am doing you no wrong did you not agree with me for a denarius take what is yours and go but i wish to give to this last man the same as to you is it not lawful for me to do what i wish with what is my own or is your eye envious because i am generous so the last shall be first and the first last father god these are your words and your word is truth We pray this morning that you would sanctify us in your truth, that you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears to receive this message that you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Full disclosure, and in case you haven't guessed it, this sermon is going to be political. It can't not be, because Jesus is talking here about a kingdom And because no matter how much we like to ignore politics at times, it's part of the reality of living in this world that we live in. That being said, let's dig into this parable here. But Before diving into this text, before finding the meaning and the application for each one of us, we have to recognize what kind of a text this text is. Jesus tips us off with verse 1. He begins this with these words, For the kingdom of heaven is like, and instantly, We note that Jesus here is giving an illustration. He's speaking in a parable. Every detail in this parable isn't necessarily important for its meaning and application for us, but it generally proves a certain truth. Jesus is sharing this parable to convey a certain truth to each one of us here this morning. The parable deals with the truth as Jesus reveals regarding the kingdom of heaven. It's also important when looking at parables to see the context in which they've been written. Remember that the chapters and verses, divisions here in the text, are not part of the inerrant, original Word of God. They were added later, so I could say, open your Bibles, well, not just me, so anyone could say, open your Bibles to Matthew 20, verse 1, and we could all find the same passage of Scripture in a matter of moments. But as we look at Matthew 19 and Matthew 20, We see that this text here in Matthew 20 is building off of chapter 19. In fact, it's connected to it. Earlier in chapter 19, the rich young ruler comes and approaches Jesus with this question. What good thing shall I do to obtain eternal life? What is it, God, that I should do so that I could obtain eternal life? That's in the background here of this parable. Jesus responds, and ultimately, this rich young ruler walks away from Jesus depressed, grieving, still in his sins. And then comes Peter in verse 27. And Peter's curiosity gets the best of him here. He asks Jesus a question. Since we've given up so much to follow you, Jesus, what kind of reward are we going to get? Jesus answers the question. And we see in verse 30 these words, which is a mirror image of what we find in verse 16 in our text. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. And then in verse 16 of chapter 20, So the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. This parable is part of Jesus' response to Peter's question. What do we get for giving up so much to follow you, Jesus? What do we get for following you for so long, Jesus? Peter's not the only one who asks this question. I think there's a part of each one of us that asks it too to a certain extent. Jesus, what kind of reward do I get for following you with my whole life? What kind of reward do I get for giving up my plans, my ideas, my goals to follow what you have called me to do? For giving up so much to serve you? You ever wondered that question? You ever asked yourself that question? And so Jesus shares this parable. A vineyard goes out. A vineyard owner goes out early in the morning to hire some workers for his vineyard. And they measured time at the first hour of the day, the beginning of the work day, let's say is 6 a.m. The vineyard owner gets up early and he goes out to see some guys standing in the marketplace waiting to get hired for work. And he says, come and work for me. And they negotiate a price. They get a day's wage and they come and work for him. Then three hours later, the owner goes back into town and gets another group of workers that's just standing around. They don't negotiate a price, the owner just says, I'll treat you right, I'll pay you whatever is right. And so they go into the vineyard and they work. At noon, the owner goes back and gets some more workers. And again, at 3 p.m., he does the same thing. He doesn't tell them what he's gonna pay them, but he just says, I'll pay you whatever is right. And then at 5 p.m., an hour before quitting time, he goes back to the marketplace. And he sees another group of people just standing around, doing nothing. And the owner comes up to them and says, why are you standing idle, doing nothing all day long? And their response, well, nobody hired us. So the vineyard owner says to them, come work for me. And they go into the vineyard, and they work. And at the end of a long, full day of work, for those who started working at 6 a.m., and at the end of a very long day standing around not doing much and a little bit of work for those who were hired last, the boss calls his workers and begins to pay them. There's anticipation here. How much are we going to get? The people who were hired first knew exactly what they would get, a day's wage, a fair, honest wage for a day's work. But the other people didn't know. They were just told, whatever's right, I will pay you. And the owner starts with the last group. The last group comes to collect their wages, and what is it that they're paid? They're paid a full day's wage. Even though they just worked for one hour, they get paid as though they worked the whole day. The next group comes and they get the exact same page and the next, the next group and the next group and the next group until eventually the first group comes, the ones that put in the full 12-hour day, the ones that got up early, left their homes and their families to get to the marketplace before the business owners got there, waiting to work, the ones who earned the wage, expecting what they might get. And they get a full day's wage. And they begin to grumble. Because it's not fair. They see how generous this owner is with everybody else, and they see we're getting the exact same thing, and they grumble and they complain to this owner, and they say, but we've worked all day long. We've worked from the beginning, from sunrise to sundown, throughout the heat of the day, and we get paid the same as them? Why have you made them equal to us? And they argue, and they say their actions show that they feel that they deserve more. And the boss simply responds, isn't that what we agreed upon this morning? Am I wrong for paying you what you asked for? Can't I do with what I want with my employees? Are you upset because I'm generous? Are you envious because I'm generous? Are you evil because I am good? And this is where the parable ends. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. As I listen to this parable, as I read this parable, everything inside of me starts to get a little warm. I'm not talking about warm fuzzies here. I'm talking about righteous indignation. How is it fair that these people who've worked all day get paid the exact same thing as the people who come and work for just one hour? People who work for one hour shouldn't be paid the same as those who've been working all day long. People who've worked at the same company for 50 years shouldn't take home the exact same pay as the new guy who just started last week. High schoolers who deliver newspapers shouldn't make the same wage as surgeons who literally hold the lives of their patients in their hands. That's just not the way this world works, is it? In this world, there are differences, and they have to be maintained. People aren't the same we're different. This is why you don't see a college basketball team made up of five-foot-two-inch players. It just wouldn't work very well. This is why there are men's leagues and there are women's leagues. Why there are men's locker rooms and there are women's locker rooms because we're different and these differences are part of what makes us who we are. Not all people are equal. Now before you take away my American citizenship here, I did not say that not all people are created equal and given certain rights endowed by their creator. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is not all people are equal. We are not the same. Inequality exists and we have to recognize it. In the eyes of the kingdoms of this world, my daughter is not equal to the president of the United States. We don't all make the same salary. We don't all have the same functions. We don't all have the same stories. We don't all have the same skills, the same attributes, the same wisdom, the same knowledge. And this world reflects that reality. This is why we don't let infants vote. This is why we respect our elders. This is why we submit to authorities, why we continue to learn to grow and develop as human beings, because distinctions exist. And the fact of the matter is we are not all equal. We are not the same. Each person is unique with different gifts, different abilities, different roles. But in the eyes of the world, each person has different value. Case in point, I was looking at the advisor the other day and saw the help wanted sign. No, I'm not looking for another job. But I saw the help wanted sign. The hospital is looking for an RN. Even if I wanted to apply for it, they wouldn't hire me. It's not because I'm a white male, it's because I'm not an RN. The school in Thayer, Thayer Central is looking for a special ed teacher. They're not gonna hire me because I don't have the necessary qualifications. These distinctions have to remain in this world in order for it to function. This is a reality of the world we live in. We can't function by ignoring differences. So not only does the world assign value to each person, but so do we. Your kids. Have a different value to you than your neighbors your kids mean more to you than people running around in india right now we all have different value based on whatever distinctions we like to make we determine value based on relationships we determine value based on who you are on what you can do this is how the world determines value as well and this is what makes this parable so absolutely maddening because we think that the same values in this world apply here to all kingdoms to this kingdom that jesus is talking about but the kingdom of heaven is different and it operates completely differently than the way the kingdoms of this world operate the kingdom of heaven or also called the kingdom of god is where god is ruling and reigning or also known as the operation of god's grace the kingdom of God is where God is continually and always handing out his grace. It's not some invisible, future, far-off kingdom, but it is visible. It is here and it is available now. Here as we gather together as believers in Christ, gathering around his word. Here is the kingdom and the rule and reign of God and his grace through Christ. Listen to what Luther says in his sermon on this same text. He says this, there is no distinction among believers. They are all alike, whether they be kings, princes, governors, masters, or servants, all have the same baptism, gospel, faith, sacrament, the same Christ, and God. They all attend divine worship in perfect equality. The servant, the mechanic, and the peasant hear the same word as the mightiest Lord. There is no difference here, though one may by far excel the other in his situation in life, in his calling, or in his talents. Before the eyes of the Lord, there is equality. No one of us is more important than anyone else. But as you look around you here this morning, we still see differences. We look different. We have different gifts. We have different skills, different roles. But in God's kingdom, each one of us and all people have the exact same value. And our value doesn't come from what we can do for God. Our value doesn't come in what we can do for the congregation our value doesn't come based on any skills or knowledge that we have or even our potential our value comes from what christ has done our value comes from the fact that we are precious and eternal human souls for whom christ has died and that is what makes you valuable and this is what makes each person Regardless of the stage of life they're in, regardless of their identity, their religion, their ethnicity, or whatever other distinction you want to make on people, this is what makes us all valuable, is that Christ died for every single person. In this kingdom, there is no skills test. There is no entrance exam. There is only one entrance. There's only one way to enter into this kingdom, and that simple way is by grace, through faith. And that same way is the same way that everyone enters into this kingdom. All people enter it the same way, only by the grace of God. No one is more deserving than another. No matter how many years you've been going to church, you don't deserve it any more than someone who just comes to church for the first time in their life today. You're still just, in, as, you're still just as much in need of God's grace than when you first believed we don't earn our standing before God, and we don't maintain our standing before God by our works or anything that we might do. But our standing before God has been written in blood and has been nailed to the cross, and that standing does not change. In this kingdom of God, there is one faith, there is one Lord, there is one baptism, one God and Father of all, and to each one of us grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gift we earn nothing we merit nothing we deserve nothing and yet God in his grace has given to us a Savior who has come to save each one of us his son who has suffered died and rose again that we might be saved from sin from death and from all evil Paul writes that we were dead in our trespasses and sins and in this state you can't provide spiritual CPR to yourself In this state, you can't decide, I'm going to become alive again. In this state, you can't decide, yeah, Christ is calling me to life. That's a good idea. I'm going to be made alive again. So what has changed to bring us into this kingdom of grace? Paul says in Ephesians 2, 4, But God, in his mercy, has made us alive together with Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved. It's not by our own strength. It's not by our own merits. In this kingdom, we earn nothing. And here in this local congregation, God delivers his grace to us each and every week. And each week, we are just as undeserving as the week before, no matter how many weeks we've missed in between. Yet he freely and fully gives his grace to us in Christ as the Holy Spirit delivers to us Christ in his word. And in this kingdom, there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile, between male and female, between slave and free, but we all come and we all receive the same Savior, Christ the Lord. And in this kingdom, each one of us will always and ever only be saved and kept by the grace of God. This is the truth that Christ is trying to show to Peter who is asking, how much more will we get Jesus for following you all of our lives? In Christ and in his grace, we have been given far more abundantly than we could ask, think, and far more abundantly than we would ever deserve. God operates among his people in grace. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you. And we praise you for giving to us a Savior one in which we haven't earned our salvation. Jesus, we are so unworthy. No matter how much we give back to you, no matter how much we try to live our lives correctly, according to your word, we still, Lord, fall short. And we still are in desperate need of your grace. We thank you that in your grace, you save us. You call us to yourself. We thank you that you bring us alive. Thank you, Father. We pray that you would, in your grace, save those around us as well and help us to live faithful, faithfully to the way that you have called us to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.